Welcome, good morning. My name is Chris Emmons. Nathan set me up here for to disappoint you. A good thing he prayed over me because it's, it's going to be a disaster. We'll see how it goes. I'm just kidding. It's going to be fine. Uh, I'm glad you're here this morning, especially if you're here, if you're, a, if you're a guest with us or if you're someone who's newer around here. We're really glad you decided to spend your morning with us. Thanks for being here. Um, <clears throat> now, we've just come out of a great series in August Light in the Darkness, if you were here for that series, it was some really powerful topics, some things that we oftentimes we don't want to talk about, but we need to, and we really need to learn how we can lean on God and lean on our faith to kind of help deal with those, those dark moments in our lives. So if you were here and you wanted to rehear the messages, if you weren't here or you missed any of them, or if you just wanted to share those with someone who you felt like really could use to could hear those messages... They're on our app. I don't know if you know about our app. Has anybody mentioned it? Maybe a few times to you. Um, it's on the app. You can download them there and listen to them, check them out, and, and, and be able to catch up on what we did in August. But today, I'm, I'm glad to be here and speak with you. Um, when they invited me to come up here and talk to you about Labor Day, I thought that was kind of odd. I mean, if you want to talk about labor, talk to my wife. She's had two kids, right? Like, all I was there for is is just like the kind of help, like, you're doing great, doing great. I'm going to watch this thing over here for a minute, just on this TV. They've got like free movies on here. I'm just going to watch those. Um, No, that's not true. I know that Labor Day is not about childbirth. That's Mother's Day, okay? Um, I will tell you, though, that my wife convinced me this year, I'm going to tell you, Pam convinced me this year, that on our kids' birthdays that she should be getting gifts as well. Um, some people are laughing. Somebody said, amen. I agree with that. I'm on board with it. She's not here, but I'm on board with it. Um, actually, I think that my kids should be giving her gift on their birthday, right? I mean, right, yeah. They, Hello, I gave you life. Come on, give me a gift. It's, it wouldn't be great for now, but when they get older, it better be good. The same. Now, it's fitting, though, that they asked me to come out here and talk to you on Labor Day. You know, the weekend we celebrate the work force the working hard because it's fitting because the one week we celebrate that Nathan took the week off and he's like oh okay well we're gonna talk about work but I don't really want to work actually we wouldn't let him get away with it we're like you're gonna come out here and do announcements you, you got to work he was actually here before me this morning I'm just saying he works hard I mean honestly he does work hard and I got intrigued about Labor Day I decided to to look into it because one thing you'll find about me when I get up here I'm gonna I want you to learn something. Even if it doesn't have anything relevant to do with what I'm going to tell you later, you're going to learn something early on, okay? So we're going to learn about Labor Day. Now, Labor Day, it goes way back to like the late 1800s when the United States was in the middle of the Industrial Revolution, right? And people were working just crazy hours. Like they were working 12, 13, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. They even had kids as young as five or six years old working in factories. Now, I've got a five-year-old, and I can't get him to tie his shoes or pick up his toys, let alone go work in a factory. I, I just, I've decided, though, that this sounds pretty good. Kids working, right? Like, okay, bud, I'm going to have to have you go out and mow the yard. It's a self-propelled mower. It kind of pulls itself. He could, just needs to direct it. Or, you know, he said to me, oh, I really love playing with Legos. Oh, you do? Well, we need to build the deck, so could you help me with that? Like, here's some wood, and here's a drill. I'll cut the wood. I don't want him using, like, a saw. That wouldn't be appropriate. Um, 
Well, we don't do that. We don't, I mean, that's what the Labor Day was all about, actually, was trying to get rid of stuff like that, kids having to work. I mean, and so in 1882, about 10,000 uh, workers from New York City, they were decided that they were going to march for fair compensation, for better hours, to not have to have kids working. So they, they did this march, and that was actually the official first Labor Day parade, in case you were wondering. And then 12 years later, still a while later, the United States actually officially said, this is now a holiday. We're going to celebrate the working man. We're going to, the working man needs a break. We're going to take a holiday. So that's the case. Nathan should be getting this day off because he's the working man, right? Nobody is clapping for that. Like, no one in here clapped. Uh, I thought Nathan would even clap if he was in here. He just left. He's like, I'm done doing announcements. I'm out of here. But... He does work hard. Over this summer, actually, if you were here, you may not have seen him as much because he's been here for 10 years in, 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 in Ross as the campus pastor, and White Oak decided that it was time for him to take a little break and do a sabbatical, just to kind of take some time away. Um, now, I don't know what a sabbatical is, really. Based upon what I've learned and seen now, it's basically like a vacation where you read a lot. Um, so basically, I also think that maybe it's like an opportunity for you if you're on sabbatical to tell your spouse that like, yeah, I know I'm home a lot more, but I'm still at work, right? I'm reading more. I don't have to work around the house. Um, so he goes out for six weeks. They give him six weeks to do this. And I said, you know, I'd be happy to kind of fill in for some of the administrative duties or campus pastor duties just to make sure that things continue to go well. And he's thinking, and they said, okay, you can do that, because I'm thinking in my head, like, he works like two days a week. I mean, Sunday and Monday. If you're up at Starbucks, you'll see him working. He's there. Um, I'm positive it's work. Um, they agree, so they say, yeah, that's great. You can cover. It's only going to be 10 hours. We're only going to ask you to do 10 hours of this. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. That 10 hours was a lot. I mean, the crazy thing is that there was a lot of stuff that goes on to what his job is that I just wasn't aware about. You know, like, emails and meetings and all these crazy things that that he does that I didn't realize like I spent a good part of a week getting the Ross copier working and when I say getting the Ross copier working I mean I called the guy who fixes it and then watched him fix it I mean like I I didn't actually don't pretend like I know how to fix a copier I don't but this was all about what he this was like these things I just didn't realize were part of being a campus pastor Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That six weeks, I nailed it. Okay? So I'm glad somebody laughing. I heard somebody laughing, isn't I? I'm kidding. I am being funny. I did fine, but I I will tell you, I didn't get any chance to go out and street preach or evangelize. I didn't hold any tent revivals or I didn't get to heal the sick or I didn't get to bring all of your friends and neighbors into relationship with Jesus. I didn't have any time for that because I was doing all these other things, right? I mean, we need a full-time campus pastor here to get those things done, right? I'm not real sure that is right because, you know, we may be thinking that or we may be thinking, oh, he's just being funny, but in reality, I think some of us actually do. A lot of us maybe even think that's the exact thing that's happening here. We look up here on Sunday and we think Nathan or Kevin out at Coleraine or Rick, that they're the ones who are responsible for getting out there and reaching the lost, saving souls, 
making believers. That's what we think sometimes. But, and we talk about that like that's their job. It's their job to do these. It's not my job. It's their job to go out and make these disciples. And that's true. I'm going to tell you, it's actually true that it's their job because it's all of our jobs. Now, you may realize that. You may realize that it is your job to do these things. You may have already kind of come to that conclusion in your life. And, and, but what you think is, you think, well, Sunday, Sunday's the time I get to do that. I get to come up here. I get to sing, pray, spend time, serve people. And that's great. We, we should do those things. We should get that nourishment in our faith. And then you head back out into your Monday through Saturday, your 9 to 5, as the song puts it, and you don't focus on those things, right? You kind of muddle through your week, and you get to the end of the week, and you think, I need to get back to serving on Sunday and getting my refill of faith. And boy, it's great to get up here and serve and really get connected with other Christians who believe the same thing I believe. Now, I know there might be some people here today who are not full followers of Jesus or are still kind of in that searching phase or not sure what they think about this relationship. And I, I will tell you that not, some of this is not going to be for you, but I would encourage you to listen along with the people here who are believers. Because if we're thinking that making our life about faith on Sundays and then living the rest of our life as a separate thing, then we're missing the point of what we're really called to do. You see, God wants Sundays to be about worship and hearing his word. That's what it's about. That's why we're here. But he does not mean that to be our mission in life. You see, every other day between Sunday mornings, that's where he calls us to do the mission that we're called to do. That's today's big idea, what it's all about, that, that God is saying that you were made to be on a mission. Now, I grew up in church, and many times we would have these missionary families who would come in that we supported or we knew, and they would come in and they would tell us stories about the mission that they're on, the mission that they were field that they served in, and they would tell us stories of all these, like, poverty-stricken places or disease-stricken places or religious persecution, just things that were so different than the way we live here. I mean, if you've ever read anything about Impact Africa, one of our missions that we support, or the Haiti mission that we go on regularly here, these are the types of things I'm talking about, just places that are foreign to where we are. And these people, they have a passion for people outside of the United States, right? But I can remember how, I've always, how I always felt growing up when I would hear those stories and them talking about being called to that mission field. Nope, I don't want to do that. I would think that. I would think, man, I don't want to do that. I did not want God to call me into the mission field. And there are always those people, too, that would say to you, well, you know, God's going to call you where you're the most uncomfortable. And I would be so terrified because I would think God is going to call me to go overseas and I don't want to go there. Now I'm going to set the record straight. God does not always call you where you're the, least un- where you're the most uncomfortable, right? He's not going to call you into this really terrible place. If, but he will sometimes call you there, but he will always prepare you for it. So anybody who tells you that you're always going to get called where you're the least comfortable, that's not necessarily true. But you see, 
this isn't the only mission field that God called us to. It's not. Let's just, and we're going to take a look at what Jesus actually says about our mission. What's our mission, right? So I want you to pull your Bible out if you've got that here with you, or if you've got a Bible app on your phone, pull that up. You can check that out. And if you need a Bible or you don't have one, we've got them at the hub that Nathan mentioned. Pick one of those up. We'd love for you to have it. It's free, okay? But we're going to be in the book of Matthew, and we're going to be in the last chapter of Matthew, chapter 28. And we're going to be starting in verse 19. This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he's about to leave earth. So this is basically what he's telling them as his last, his last words to them. He says, Therefore go excuse me, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, for those of you that know this verse or you grew up in the church and you've learned this verse, we've titled it the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission. This is basically where Jesus is telling his followers exactly what they should be doing now that he's leaving. So we get the word commission, by the way, by taking mission and putting co in front of it. Duh. That was pretty straightforward, right? Like, there's more to it. Think about it. If we put the word co in front of it, Jesus is saying that he made it his mission to save mankind. And he did that on the cross, right? And he made disciples. He had disciples. And now what he's doing is he's inviting his disciples into the moment where they're now going to come alongside of him and do that mission as well. Now, he's leaving, but he's gonna, the Holy Spirit is coming to be with them. That's what he says to them. He says, you're going to now be on the mission. And, and the word it uses here... What's the mission? The word it uses is go. It says, therefore, go. Go. And the, the word go is, is kind of translated here as in to continue the journey. Continue the journey. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, continue the journey that I've already started. Keep it going. You see, the commission, the co-mission, was the duties that Jesus had assigned to his followers, but he assigned it to all of us as well. We have shortened that word, though. We, we've shortened it. We just go with the mission part of that, so that's kind of where we got the mission field from, our mission, but it's still a co-mission. And we call people who are called to be on these missions missionaries. I mentioned those before. And here's the definition of missionary. A person sent on a religious mission especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. So that's what we all consider. A lot of times when you hear the word mission, that's, that's where our mind goes. That we're, we're, we're talking about being on mission. We're called to go somewhere far away to preach the word of God and to bring people into the relationship with Jesus in some foreign country and to reach out to people who are far from us racially, socially, economically, religiously, And then when we don't feel like we're called to do those things, we don't feel that calling to actually reach those people that are so different from us, we just think it's somebody else's job. Well, that's somebody else's job to do that because I don't feel that calling. And that's kind of what I thought growing up. And there are people who are called to do that, to go into those other countries and to reach those people. But as I mentioned just a few moments ago, you all of you, all of us, were made to be on a mission. 
When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he wasn't saying that just some of his disciples should do this. He said all of them. He was talking to all of them. He was, and that's us as well, because we've become disciples as a result of them. But what we need to figure out and where we need to go from here is what is our mission field? Now, for some of us, you were made to be on mission at work. Now, I'm sure there are some of you that are thinking that your work can't be a mission field because your work has nothing to do with faith or Jesus or sharing any of that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, do you think me fixing the copier had any more faith-building to it than sitting at a desk or digging ditches? No, it didn't. You know, there was this pastor and author, A.W. Tozer, and here's the way he described it. He said, Let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called, and his work will be as sacred as the work of the ministry. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. See, the type of work you do is not what makes it a mission field. That's not it at all. But there's, you're probably also, some of you might be thinking, well, you have no idea how, how crummy my job really is. Yeah, I, I get it. Works times is not great. It's not the best thing that we've ever experienced. I mean, I've had some jobs in my life that I really did not like. I mean, I did weed eating for a, for a job one summer where I weed eated from morning to evening. And I had grass clippings from my feet to my eyelids. Okay? Only reason it wasn't higher is because I was wearing a hat. Okay? I didn't enjoy that. I, I've repossessed furniture and appliances working for a rent-to-own company. I had to take people's beds. Like, seriously. I worked in the Walmart shoe department. All right? and like had to help people try shoes on. And I'm not saying that these are bad jobs. If you do any of these jobs, that is not my intention of saying this. They're not bad jobs. I just did not care for them. And I'm not alone in this, and you're not alone if you feel like you don't enjoy your job. Actually, they found that only about 13%, 13% of people enjoy or are engaged in the work that they do. That's really low. I mean, of the people that are here today, that's maybe 20, 25 people who enjoy their job. If you're someone who enjoys your work, you're in the minority. And why do we think that is? Are we lazy? Do we just become lazy? Have things gotten harder? I mean, I'm pretty sure I just told you earlier, people were working like 15 hours a day at five years old. I don't think it's gotten harder. No, I think the reason that we see work why it's become such a problem, why people are so unhappy, is because of why we do it. What we've turned work into is this tool to make money, to get power, or to just find our meaning in life. Like We put work to be our meaning. And, and we've made that more than something that God just created us to do. But instead, we've made it our purpose. We've made work our purpose in life. So that's, what does that cause? People become workaholics because they think, if this is my purpose, I've got to put 100% of my life into that. And it doesn't matter what else is going on. They, they see this as a way to get what they want in life, to find happiness. And then when that doesn't happen, when, we, when, they, when things don't go the way that they should, 
and, and their life starts falling apart as a result of their work not meeting those needs, then it becomes this burden and this pain and they just don't enjoy it. And then when we be- this becomes our reality, when we start having that reality of it's no fun to go to work, then we become bitter and grumpy and we're just complainers. You know, I've been labeled as that grumpy coworker in my life, okay? I know it's hard for you to believe. I'm a pretty cheery guy. I don't know why people are laughing. But I, I am a cheery guy. I, I, I get along well with people. There was a time, my current employer, okay, this is my current employer that I'm talking about, where I did not enjoy what I was doing, and it showed. I was not happy. And at the time, my wife Pam and I, we were dating. She also works for the same company, as a fact. And um, she, she was trying to help me through it. She was trying to say, like, how can we make this better? How can you, you know, start to enjoy your work again? And I can remember thinking, or I may even said it out loud, like, I bet people wonder why she's with me. Because she is so nice and I am so grumpy. Right? And so if you know, if you know my wife, by the way, you realize that she is the caring, sweet part of our marriage. Yeah, you're not going to get the sweetness from me. You, I'm a nice person, but she's real nice. Um, She's, be- she's my better half. She truly is. Uh, but she's the type of person that will help you try to understand how someone else feels. She is all about empathy and caring about how people feel. And she'll try to help you see the other side. And do you know in that moment, you know what I wanted? I did not want to feel empathy for anybody. I wanted her to help me complain. I wanted her to help me find the things to get upset about. And she would not do it. She still won't do it. She focused on trying to help me see the positive and get things back in line. Because she knew, like what I'm telling you now, that God has made us work to be so much more than this, this complaint or this chore. It, Paul wrote about this. He wrote a letter to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul did, and here's what he wrote about work. He said, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Right there, right there is it. Gets your purpose of work. It does have a purpose. It's something we do for God. And then what does it say? It says, you're going to receive your reward from him. You're not going to get your reward from work. Yeah, you might get paid, and you might get a nice salary, and you might have nice benefits, but the reward really comes from God. You see, God wants to be the center of your life. He wants your work to have purpose, but he wants that purpose to be him. So what's the mission? Where is the purpose? What is that purpose that we should be focusing on for God? Now, the mission to work is to work for the Lord is because he wants us to be different from the world, right? Because other people are going to work for their own needs. Paul also wrote another letter to the Romans, and here's what he says about that, about being different from the world. He said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I mean, offering your bodies means everything you do. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
You see, the mission is to stand out from others, is to not be like everybody else. Living the same way everybody else lives and complaining and having a poor attitude about work, that's not going to make you stand out. You're going to look just like everybody else. And, and it's also not going to be effective if we try to go out and push Jesus into people's face, but we're still complaining and having the same attitudes as everybody else around us. We're trying to lie and cheat and to get ahead. They want us, God is calling us to be different. This is why we're called not to conform, right? Don't conform. Be different. Now, some of you listening today, you're not in the, what we would consider the traditional workplace, okay? You may be like a stay-at-home mom or dad, okay? But guess what? You are made to be on mission in your family as well. You know, not being in the official workforce, by the way, doesn't mean that this same idea doesn't apply to you. Actually, being a stay-at-home parent is probably one of the most valuable jobs there is. You speak into the lives of your children and your family day in and day out, and they're able to see that you have the best chance to show them what being a believer is really all about. And I'll say to you that even if you're not a stay-at-home parent, this is part of your mission as well. When you get home from work, you should have the same mission. The Bible tells us, it says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Right there it tells you the mission field is to train up your children in the way that they should go. But how do we do this? What's the practical ways we do this? Well, one is, let's just talk to your kids about faith. At any age, it doesn't matter how old they are. Yeah, they may not get it when they're young, but you should be talking about it. It should be the words that are coming out of our mouths on a regular basis. Praying together as a family at the dinner table at night, just hearing those words, creating that relationship. Oh, this one's a hard one. It's a challenging one for me. Putting your phone down when you're home. How many times have you caught yourself looking at your phone while you're sitting with your kids or doing something with your kids? Right? That's, that challenges me. I'm, I struggle with that. But if we want them to understand what relationship with God and with each other is all about, we have to put that down. We need to set proper boundaries for our kids. Even when they don't think it's fair or cool, we need to make them realize that there are boundaries to life and we need to respect those. But most importantly, I think the most important of all is just showing love to your family and your kids throughout all of this. Because here's the thing. This is mission field. This mission field that we're in with, and with our families, we're always being watched. You know, little ears here and little eyes, they see. And even like teenage eyes and teenage ears, they see as well. They see what we're doing. And they're looking to us, whether they say it or not, to show them how they should be living their lives and the decisions they should be making and how they should be acting. The final place that I'll tell you that you're called to be on mission is in your relationships. You see, just like our works and our homes, those people with whom we socialize and see regularly, they're part of our mission field. You know, the people we see day in and day out, this is such a huge part of our mission field. Why is that? Because they're going to see us in good times 
they're going to see us in the tough times too. And how we react to those moments and how we cope with those things, that's going to help them to understand how we're different from the rest of the world. They're going to get a better understanding of what we're about by the way we react. Now, for students that are here, um, these might be the kids that you're spending time with at school or you're playing sports with or you're hanging out with on the weekends. College kids, if you're in here today, I mean, I'll tell you that that's the kids you live in the dorms with or you're going to classes with or you're going to parties with. Yes, we know you go to parties. Okay? But for all of us, everybody, it's our neighbors. Our neighbors are part of that group. The people that you see on your street that you run into at the coffee shop or at the gas station or at the store, these are people that are part of your mission field. Or the people that you have as friends, the friends that you call regularly and spend your time with, these people are also part of your mission field. And here's what Jesus said about this. This is what Jesus wants us to do in these relationships. He said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Remember that song, that kid's song, This Little Light of Mine? What's the next line? I'm going to let it shine, yeah. Not hide it under a bush, oh no. Y'all didn't know I was such a good little singer, did you? Um, I could lead the little kids. No, it was all about letting it shine, right? And Jesus didn't say, let your light shine when it's convenient or when you feel like it. No, he said the light cannot be hidden. It can't be put out. It must shine. It shines for all to see in a way that they can see that we're believers, that we're different, that we give glory to God. And we're meant to shine for those people in our lives. And in this way, they can see that and they can understand. But how do we do that? Well, I think we serve other people. We serve people with a happy spirit, right? We don't judge our friends and neighbors about how they live. We don't try to tell them how they need to live their lives. We have a positive attitude in all the things we do. We, we need to keep a positive attitude. Smile. I tell you what, this one's a tough one for guys. I'll tell you, watch the words that come out of your mouth. I mean, when guys get together, sometimes we say stuff and we talk in a way that is not glorifying anybody. And it's not okay. I'm just going to be honest with you. And guys will just say, well, it's guys being guys. I don't agree. I think we should be better than that. Because people hear it and people see it. And we need to be the light and watch the words that have come out of our mouths. I mean, I don't think it makes God feel good if we come in on Sunday morning sing songs, praise him, and then go out and hide our light. I think it actually hurts his feelings a little bit. I mean, if you had a friend that you talked to regularly and then they just pretended like they didn't know you one day when they were out, how would you feel? I know that realizing you're made for a mission might be a little challenging for some of you today. And that's okay. That's, that's, that's good. It should be challenging. It should challenge you a little bit to think about living our lives in a way that will change the way others view Jesus in a positive way. And it may be hard for you to look at yourself and think, well, I'm a missionary. But we are missionaries. We all are. 
You see, what was that definition I gave earlier? It was a person sent on a religious mission, especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. And we may not be going into a foreign country physically, but remember what we're called to do. Remember that Romans letter. Do not conform. Don't conform to this world, right? You see, the whole world is a foreign country to us when we're believers. Sure, the people you go to work with, the people you go to school with, the people you play with, you spend time with, they look, they sound like you. But when we believe in Christ, when we believe in Jesus, we put our hope in him, we are different from them. The world's going to tell us all to live in a certain way and to, do, and to worry about certain things, and we're all to not do that, to be foreigners in their land. Why? Because we realize the most important thing is not what the world has told us is important, it's what God tells us is important, is that's relationship with him. Now, I'm not sure where you stand in your faith with Jesus, okay? I'm sure there's some of you here who, who maybe don't have that yet, and you haven't found that. And, I, and I, I don't want to leave you out, okay? You may feel like you're getting left out here, but I don't want to leave you out. There's an opportunity here for you to have that, to have a better life, to have your work have meaning, to have your relationships have a purpose, your family to have a purpose, okay? And I would encourage you, if you're thinking about this, if this is a challenge for you, Take that step to talk to somebody. That's the first step, is just talk to somebody about your faith, about what you want to know about Jesus, because that's the first and most important step. Don't miss that chance. He wants you on this mission as well. He wants us all on this mission. And he doesn't care where you've come from or what you've done. Now, as a challenge today, we want to give people the the chance to accept this role as a missionary to be called into your mission field. Remember that mission impossible phrase? Your mission if you choose to accept it, right? You have to accept this mission, and we want to challenge you today to do that. Now, inside of your programs that you were given as you came in, you're going to find a card like this. I'd encourage you to pull that out. And on this card, we've basically allowed you to sign your name here at the top. And then basically you're stating that you're a mis- marketplace missionary, Okay? And here's what the the paper says. It says, I've been called by God to represent him while at work, in my neighborhood, with my family and friends, and everywhere I am. It is my highest privilege to faithfully share the good news that Jesus loves each one of us and gave his life to prove it. I do this best by sharing my story of God's love in my life, extending grace and forgiveness, giving compassion to those in need, and living my life in such a way that even without using words, others can tell that I am empowered by my Heavenly Father. And then here at the bottom, it says that passage that we read, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That great commission. Now, some of you may have already accepted this challenge to take your faith outside of Sunday mornings, and you're already doing this. This is already part of your mission field, okay? But as we go into reflection, I would like us all to just really think about this. I'd encourage you to really think about what this card means, okay? Read these words over again as we take a few moments here before we take communion. And if you need another card, we've got them down here on the communion stations. I know sometimes when we pick up a program, we're picking it up one for family, but there's more than one missionary in every family. 
So take one of these cards for everybody that's in your family. Pray over it, read over it during this time. And, and for some of you, like I said, you've already, this is easy. You know that this is what you want to do and you can sign this this morning. This is for you. You take it with you, okay? But you sign this and, and take it. And for others, this might not be as easy. And that's okay. Like I said, it's, it should be a challenge. I, I would encourage you not just to sign this because everybody else is doing. This is for you. If you're not ready to sign that this morning, take it home with you, pray over it, and when you're ready, when you feel like you're ready to make your everyday life your mission field, then you sign this card. I encourage you to put it at your desk at work, put it on your refrigerator at home, in your car, wherever you go, make copies of it so you have it in multiple places. This will remind you of your mission. And then on your connection card, there's a place where you can check to say that you signed this because White Oak wants to encourage you throughout this. We want to celebrate you making your mission field known for you to do this. So check that box that says, I have chosen to be a marketplace missionary because we're going to have some great things coming up in the fall. You'll find them in that White Oak University pamphlet about some programming that we put together to help you make your mission field productive and have a purpose. So we'd like to let you know about those things if you decide to make this commitment. Guys, this is your mission. If you choose to accept it, Jesus wants you to be ready and he wants you to go out and he wants you to shine for the world so that they know that we're different and that we love and, we were there and we're there to be loved by God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning, for the people who have come here today, this, the people who, these people who are missionaries, Lord, who are going to choose to become missionaries, Lord. We pray over them today, and we raise them up to you, Holy Spirit. We ask you to be in their lives and help them to make the decision, if they're ready to do that, to be a marketplace missionary, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to reach into the lives of our coworkers, our friends, our family. We just ask you to help us to make the most of those opportunities. We love you so much. In all these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.